1: Hello and welcome to The Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today we're talking about some unlikely heroes at Old Trafford, a reality check at St James's Park and important away wins for Arsenal and Manchester City. We'll also discuss Wayne Rooney's start to his career as Birmingham manager and joining me, Tom Clark, for all of that. We've got Martin Samuel, Chief Correspondent for The Times and Sunday Times, Jonathan Northcroft, Sunday Times Football Correspondent and a former footballer who played 15 times for Scotland's under-21s and once went up against a Spain team including Andres Iniesta, Cesc Fabregas and Sergio Ramos. And he lived to tell the tale, and he's with us now, Gregor Robertson. That's a pretty good one, I think.
2: Yeah, I'll take that one.
1: Yeah, come on, that's a good one. Yeah, I've been doubting
2: that for a long time, Yeah, actually. exactly, and I've, <laughs> saved it. I've saved it back
1: till nearly November. Anyway, so lots to discuss to Old Trafford and also to the Times Sport offices. It's Tuesday night. It's nearly 10pm. The online match report is ready to be published. The back page of the newspaper is ready to be sent. I've written the headline, Maguire to the rescue for Ten Hag. And then, Scott McTominay gives away a penalty. We moan, we swear, we prepare for a quick change in tone. And then up steps a hero, Andre Onana. And all is well again. A crucial three points for Manchester United and a smooth editing process for me, which allowed me to get my 10.30 train back home. Big win for Manchester United and I'm going to start with Anana because he's someone that we talked about on this Thursday show before with this exact cast of people. Um, I thought he looked better, not just in this game, not just the penalty save. He made a couple of good saves before that, Johnny. Mm. How much do you think he's improved or is this a kind of slight papering over the cracks with an exciting
3: save at the end? No, um, because... I think this is more of a rebalancing to 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 where he was. He was playing way below the standards that we saw at Inter Milan. And uh, and before that Ajax um he was he was clearly a keeper struggling for confidence and um in, interesting reading sort of some of Paul writing about this that one of the things that United have tried to work on with him is how he reacts to setbacks and how he um how he's reacted to um, making mistakes and, and that's a key thing for a goalkeeper which is to be able to live in the moment and, and put anything behind them and deal with the next save and, and he did seem to be struggling with that um, a, a sort of dis- disappointing start to season, the season the, the mistake in pre-season the, the, the one he got away with against Wolves seemed to play on his mind um, he does look like he's been able to reset himself mentally he's making some very good saves I still don't think we're seeing the kind of sweeper-keeper football that one would have expected from him. Uh, It was a fantastic penalty save. I'm rooting for the guy from the point of view that um, you don't often see players who are so open and honest about taking responsibility for errors as as he has been. Um, And he's, he's, he's getting back to what I think we knew he was, which is a very talented goalkeeper, but I'd also say still an unpredictable one. Uh, and, and that's a question going forward uh, I don't think we'll not see him make fantastic saves and have great moments it's how much solidity and assurance he can deliver over time and, and how much his sweeper keeper style is useful to a team which is dysfunctional in other ways Martin, um, goalkeepers were subject of one of your column items this
1: week, uh, not just talking about Andre Onana but also about Chelsea and Arsenal as well. Mm. What do you make to some of the points Johnny's raised there about Andre Onana? I
4: thought we had a good game.
1: <laughs> is that it? That is it. Yeah, I thought he had a good game.
4: He's, I've seen about 10 of his or whatever mm. so far this season. I haven't seen too many good ones. That was a very good one. I mean, it, it was as 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 soon as they got the penalty, I'm thinking he saves this because I didn't fancy it was a substitute that came on, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, last and, and, and you're just thinking, well, I'm not sure that's your first, their first choice penalty taker. Um, and uh, also, in, the, in, in terms of Sod's Law, if you write about anybody. Who is playing? Um, they will do the exact opposite of you know uh, of, of of what you need to happen in some way. So. <laughs> you know, he saved the penalty and he was the hero of the night and fantastic and I hope he comes on but yeah. it's a good game. That's it, what it is. It's a good game. Goalkeepers are allowed to have them.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, Martin's alluding to a moment there that I had missed out in my intro which was as the chaos was happening, phone rings, Martin Samuel needs to change his column. I was like, not now, Martin, for goodness <laughs> sake. There's loads of... Th-. But, but no
4: professionalism
1: you see If this was on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Martin has just thrown something at me across the uh, studio but... Gregor, coming back to some of those points that Johnny made about rooting for him almost and it looked like his teammates were rooting yeah. for him as well, didn't it? Like, It almost wonder, And we alluded to this on Monday's show that with Manchester United that this kind of um, attitude of plucky underdogs almost that they've got at the minute <laughs> because they've been quite poor for a while and that they've had some injuries that almost seems to be working for them in a way where they're getting these moments and they're going for them. It's something that James Gearbrand referred to in his piece of analysis after... But moments only go so far, don't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's obviously a big night for for Onana and, and Maguire. Um, good narrative there. Um, I, I, as I agree with, I agree with you. Onana looks, like, he's like, he's a big, he's clearly a big character, and 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 his teammates were obviously very very pleased for him, and it was it was a huge roar. And you know, after the start, he's had a big a big moment for him. But I kind of agree with Martin. I think uh, much like I said about Maguire the other, the other night, it's like. You can you can slightly too easily and swiftly and quickly sort of say that he's back and he's this is mm. you know the start of something new. You need you need to see it over a longer period of time and and I, I think that the point that Johnny made about you know the sweeper keeper, what you what we expected from him, is still probably the biggest issue. I think you know he 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 would have been disappointed letting in some of the goals he has, but I think that probably was you know individual mistakes and. We know he's a he's a goalkeeper. He, he saw it in the Champions League what he what he was signed to do. He's still not doing, and that's not all his fault either. Mm. It's partly to do with who's in front of him, but uh, that sort of that assimilation into the team, in terms mm. of uh, it sort of changing the style of play and the way that it, Ten Hag wanted to wanted Manchester United to evolve, it's not happened yet.
1: Mm. You mentioned so, Ten Hag and the way he wanted to play, Johnny. You know, we were watching that first half, and I was watching it in the office, thinking, "God, how do you sell this? It's going to be nil-nil." I mean, yeah. other than another disastrous night for Manchester United, but he did make—he was proactive. He made the change at half-time with Christian Eriksen, which did make a big difference, mm. and they—they they looked a lot better. Were it not for some heavy touches from Marcus Rashford and other forwards, mm. they could have won maybe two or three. Uh, you know, yeah,
3: they—they—they they, 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 they did. Um, but this is where we are with Ten Hag. Eighteen months in, we're still waiting for the the Ten Hag. Pattern of play, really, I would say, and we're waiting for consistency. And we talk about moments. We're seeing United having really good moments, often to repair the damage of 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 the previous game that that's just gone on. You know, I was there when Scott McTominay scored twice from the beat Brentford, and Ten Hag was held for a great substitution. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what about the other eighty five minutes before McTominay came on? And I, I think that's where we still are. We're 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 seeing, um. A, a, a team that's kind of still bouncing a little bit from game to game, and moment to moment, good moment to good moment, uh, with a lot of dross in between, quite frankly. And the point about Anana is that, um, I, you know, famously the template for this, I suppose, is Guardiola bringing in first Claudio Bravo and then Edison, and you know, doing that despite having a very good traditional goalkeeper in place in in, in Joe Hart at the time but what Guardiola was also doing was configuring his team to play um positional football possession football so that when the sweeper keeper did come in he actually had people to play to now i don't think it's been hard to judge onana on that aspect because when he gets the ball quite often United are running away from him and they're still playing on the counter-attack. Let's His see
4: out ball is always this bang it it up, it yeah. clip into midfield. Yeah. It's a clip out to a wide player, yeah. half out the pitch. Yeah. Still so it's telegraphed and, and, and so the opposition are straight onto yeah. to it. So it never has the impact, yeah. or rarely has the impact, that it should do. Basically. Absolutely. Whereas you see what Edi- Edison does yeah. for Manchester City. He actually plays a ball that gets them away. Yeah. And
3: he's got people to play to, yeah. And they've worked totally. on it. I was I was at Leicester on on, on Tuesday actually, and Maresca's you know learned from Guardiola. I mean, they had about four or five different build-up shapes when the keeper had the ball. They changed them during the game to stop Sunderland with the opponents, mm. um, sort of succeeding with their press. Every time Sunderland did something, Leicester changed their build-up patterns, their their, their shape. I don't see any of that from United. So you know. is that is that on? Ten Hag or is that on
1: the fact that you know to, to take your Guardiola City analogy he actually now he's signed his keeper he now needs to sign four new defenders three new defenders <laughs> alongside Lissandro yeah, Martinez as well but, but in order to play that way who are going to get, make the runs and give him the passing options
3: I think it's on Ten Hag and it's on, on I suppose the recruiters as well but the, the point with I, I guess with Guardiola is it was it was the goalkeeper was part of a whole process, and everything started from day one with Pep. Everything, all the patterns started from day one. That the, the work on the training ground um, started from day one, and we've seen how it's evolved over time with fullbacks in midfield and blah blah blah. But it, it was it, it's all part of a, a, a kind of unified design, and this is eighteen months in for Ten Hag, so the goalkeeper should be. Slotting into something already there, and that's my that's what I I can't really see the pattern that's already there. I can see bits of it, you know, he likes width, he likes to play with wingers like Dutch coaches do, but when it comes to what's happening positionally in terms of keeping the ball in midfield, getting overloads to outnumber the opposition in in areas so you can pass around the map, I don't see a lot of that from United. Maybe, Maybe I'm being harsh, but I don't know.
4: Yeah, they they're
3: also in this position,
4: where they're celebrating wins. I know you you think that they're celebrating wins that mm. a, a good team takes for granted. Mm. Brentford at home, <laughs>
1: um, but, the na- but the nature of it was a late late winner, like two two no, goals no, in no, the late absolutely. ninety plus. But
4: you you're, you're still celebrating something that previously. Um, you beat Brentford at home because you're Manchester United and they're Brentford. And, and, and I know that makes it sound as if it's easy. It's not easy, but it's what happens. Tottenham are celebrating wins that feel like landmark victories or, or landmark results. So they go to Arsenal and everyone's saying, oh, you know, this, this will expose Tottenham for what that... And they've beaten Arsenal. However it happens... Uh, against Liverpool, whatever fortuitous uh, um, uh, breaks have gone their way, um, they end up beating Liverpool.
1: They drew. They drew. Uh, so they
4: Arsenal, end up they, draw, draw, draw yeah, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they end up, mm. draw, they, yeah. you know, they end up getting getting a result. Yeah. And so you look at this and you think, well, these are these are actual proper results. Mm. These are these are these are good results. Whereas with Manchester United, you're only actually getting what you thought
1: you were going to get anyway. Um, But but in the the context, I completely agree with you because I remember me outlining this run of fixtures. This is the end of that run of fixtures that I think the four of us talked Mm -hmm. about to give him the chance to build his season before facing Manchester City in the derby. But in the context of the start of that run of fixtures, where they lose to Galatasaray and they lose other matches, to then win three on the bounce, even in the nature that you're saying... Is is that not a positive thing that they should be taking away, and that they should be jumping around and leaping but on each other? Every win
4: you can take positively. All I'm looking at is when that, when that group was drawn, at Manchester United's Champions League group, nobody looked at it and thought Copenhagen yeah. away. That's going to be a cup yeah. final. Yeah, you're yeah. thinking that you know hmm. they come second to Bar Munich. That's, that, that's what you're thinking. They'll they'll come second to Bar Munich. This is fairly straightforward. This group. Hmm. This is a two plus two group. There'll be two teams that run away with it and, you know, one of them will beat the other one when they play and that will decide who wins mm. it and the other two teams will fall by the wayside. It's not like, say, Newcastle's group, which is, there's four teams there that you all, you looked at and you thought, well, this could be anything, this group mm-hmm. could be absolutely anything. United's group you looked at, oh, this is two plus two.
2: Gregor? G- James made another good point in his in his column that was... The kind of the redemption stories. So, you know, they're relying on McGuire, who not so long, very, very recently was the fifth choice in a half to kind of come up with a, a goal. They're relying on McTominay, who they've really been trying to usher out the team, if not the club, uh, to decide games now. And so you could look at that as a positive thing, of course. And, you know, they, they fought their way back into the team. But th- these are players that Man United are trying to move on from, and they're still relying upon them to, to get results. Um, and he also referenced the thing in midfield, which I I kind of agree to. They still still can't get the balance right in midfield mm-hmm. at all. About you know, if Amrabat's playing, he's almost trying to he's almost like the single pivot. Um, but just not it just isn't working, and they can't play through. They can't play through the thirds. They can't they can't really get out. They're quite easy to to hem in. And then obviously that makes it harder. We're talking about Anana mm-hmm. trying to build from the back and. They still cannot get the midfield balance right, and then you know he changes that at half time, brings off, puts on Eriksen f- for Amrabat, and so mm. it's like you're 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 kind of sacrificing one thing, i.e. sort of legs, <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> industry, uh, you know, ball winning uh, ability, for for someone who's a bit of a luxury really in Christian Eriksen, who can't get around, but mm. he he can pull the strings and he can play in delicious mm. ball. So they just don't have. They've either really got one thing or the other. And yeah, well, they can't even get a partnership that that creates the right balance in midfield. The,
3: the parts have got to fit together. So you, you bring in a sweeper-keeper, but then you play with two of the slowest centre-halves in the league. So how does that work? You know, the, 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 the backline needs to push up if, if you're going to have a sweeper-keeper to give him space to sure. do his thing. I mean, it's it's things like that that blow your mind. That This is 18 months down the line. It's not just Ten Hag, is it? It's, it's years of this, but... I just think United's recent history has been, they've depended on individual players and their surges of form. You know, Casemiro last year had a great sort of four or five-month spell. So United, he took United with them. Bruno Fernandes did it when he arrived. He took United with them. Rashford had a great surge of scoring. But they're still, Pogba even had this spell when he led Solskjaer's team to an unbeaten run. But they're still relying on, an individual hitting a hot streak and not the not the pattern
4: and it looks it hasn't moved on greatly from what you used to look at with a well Ole team where you sort of thought they look sort of uncoached now that's you know I'm not saying they're uncoached but Ten Hag is clearly a coach it's clearly a good coach but under Oli they sometimes looks as if what they've done is they've slung the best 11 players out and someone's going to do something, and if someone does something, because they're Manchester United players, so they're all good players. And, you know, they they're not buying. You know, they're not buying mugs. They're buying good players. Um, so someone might do something, and then they win. But you're looking at it thinking, <laughs> but it doesn't actually look particularly as if it's been thought out or, or planned, and it hasn't moved greatly on from that. So as you say, McTominay at the moment. The, the the penalty award notwithstanding, but with Tommy at the moment, he's in this purple patch of form for for United when he comes on, for Scotland when he plays, he's he suddenly mm. he's turned into Frank Lampard as far <laughs> as goal scoring is concerned. No one can quite work it out, but um, and that's that, and that drags him by the scruff of the neck and gets him mm. over the line, and uh, and it doesn't look as if in six months' time. You're not looking at United at the moment and thinking there will be a shape, there will be a plan. This is where they're going. This is where they're heading. This is how it sets up.
2: This is what happens. I just think it's important to say that 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 oh, for me anyway, overwhelmingly, that is down to the dysfunction of Manchester United more than Den- Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, that's fair enough. Whatever Eric Ten Hag will never ever make Manchester United compete for the title while Manchester United are still run like they have been yeah. under the Glazers. I don't think I don't think
1: it'll think ever happen. Fair. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about big issues there, and Johnny, you talked about individuals. I wanted to just finish with Harry Maguire because we kind of, you know, Onana takes takes the headlines as mm-hmm. he as he did on Tuesday night, and understandably so. And then we've had a fascinating debate on the status of Ten Hag's United, but in terms of the individuals and Maguire, we do love a redemption story, don't we, as journalists? And yeah. it, I'm not saying it's complete. But it's it's an you impressive.
2: Were, you were on Thursday. It's Monday. Monday. <laughs> Monday. Sorry, That's just, I, was to, I was just trying to cheer you up. You were in a bad mood. I thought you, <laughs> I
1: thought the defenders, Alliance would kick in. But it is, it's 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 a good thing, isn't it, for Harry Maguire? And it's and it is quite impressive for mm. what he what he's yeah. done.
3: It, it, it is, and 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 one thing that Harry's always had and it is 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 rock solid personality and 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 self belief. You 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 have to admire him for it. Um, he's shown that for England with some of the treatment he's taken and the fact he's plugged away and it's kind of typical of him that he's plugged away and um, and got back to some kind of authority at United. Um, and he had another, like, like Martin said with Onan, he had a really good game. It, I mean, there was, there was maybe one or two moments where he was done for pace, but he had some other really good moments. Um, yeah, so I don't, I, I don't think he up.
2: has always had rock-solid belief. Do you not? I think he's had enough to put himself in uncomfortable positions. I think there's a difference. I think he's... He's not—he's not someone who you look at and think. He's saying, "Damn, damn all you! Mm. I'm going to show you." I don't think he—I think he just sort of—he's got enough mm. personality to put himself in a difficult position. Is that and not more impressive? It's just a different. I think it's just a slightly different trait. It mm. is impressive because you know you'll he, know that the eyes of the world are looking at him and often quite scornfully uh, of, of late, but he's still willing to go out there. And he's, in fact, he chose to stay and. Put himself in that position to try and, you know, drag himself back to some something close to the form he, he's capable of. So, I, but what's the, what's the difference
3: between that and rock solid belief?
2: <laughs> I don't think he has got rock solid belief in yeah. himself. I, I think, think so. he's got enough. Uh, like, I think, as I say, I think there's a, there's a difference between having real belief in yourself mm. and being willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Mm. And I think he's he's in the, he, he fits into the, into the latter camp. So you,
3: when, you, when you you'd see doubt in his game when he plays.
2: I just uh, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I, see th- I think he's someone who does feel doubt I think we see that in him I don't mm-hmm. think he's like you know wh- who's got rock solid belief who are players you look at like a Roy Keane or you know mm. big kind of talismanic players he's not like that
1: so are you talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. character or footballing ability
2: it's not fo- I don't think it's footballing ability I think it's his personality I've said this before I think his personality is 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 not necessarily that of a kind of bona fide leader Martin.
4: Yeah. Well, look. There's some people that look um, that people imagine to be a certain way, and they're not. Stephen Gerard and Frank Lampard, <laughs> who looked um, like the most confident, particularly Steve, looked like the most confident people in the world, and yep you know, were actually quite unsure of their game. People who work with them at international level would said that. That they were surprised that they weren't actually, once the dressing room door shut, these guys that were felt super confident in their mm-hmm. ability mm-hmm. and what was going on. They had doubts about their game, they had doubts about whether they were effective, and, and they were a lot more fragile. And this could perhaps explain why, why, why mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. things didn't work for them uh, with England. They were a lot more fragile um, as personalities than than one would imagine. Probably not at club level, where they where they were surrounded by a system that was functioning a lot better than it was for them with England. But to look at Stephen Gerrard, you would think this is a guy that's never never had a doubt in his mind that he's the that he's the greatest player on the pitch, and it wasn't like that at all.
2: I think um, it, I think surprising number of people, mm. in fact almost everyone, feels those sorts of self doubts, but. Yeah and I'm, it's, I'm being picky here. I just felt that yeah. when I don't think it's true to say that he he has always had an unwavering belief in himself. I think it's it's truer that he's he's got the guts to to, to keep going. Mm. To keep going, to knuckle down, to try and block out the noise, even though it is affecting him, has affected him, get on with it and do just enough. Look, he he was we were saying he was a liability a few weeks ago still. And he just he just you know he was part of a team that had a lucky win against Brentford. He was part of a team that just beat Sheffield United and he got a man of the match as you were so eager to point out the other day. Mm. And now on Sunday? And now he scored a goal. <laughs> now exactly Martin, my next point <laughs> is was it on Sunday? let's see, let's see how, how we're discussing mm. uh, Harry and <clears by> after <throat> the next few weeks.
4: You know, I mean that's a test. If mm. it, you know, all the world over yeah, as Graham Taylor said, this is a test. Um mm. and um you know, Manchester City You know, it is Sheffield United and Copenhagen, yeah, but but they're matches that you would expect. You know, if you're looking at the success, the fantastic success of the England rugby team at the World Cup, what you would say is, okay, it was was good, they were were perhaps a little bit unlucky in the semi final, but still, if you looked at that set of fixtures, Mm. they've lost the first game that you wouldn't have necessarily expected them to win the rest of them apart from the poor form before going into the tournament but under normal circumstances you would expect England to beat Argentina you would expect England to beat Fiji you'd expect England to beat Japan the other teams go without saying and then they've come to South Africa which is the first game where you're looking at it thinking well this could go either way and the way it went was for South Africa it's like Manchester United it's Copenhagen at home it's Sheffield United you know what have they got so far? One point. Hmm. So it's not like uh, there's other teams really struggling to beat Sheffield United. Um, what did, was it? Newcastle. What did yeah, Newca- it was Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle. Eight, yeah, yeah. yeah, was it eight? Yeah, uh, I lost count. I lose count. <laughs> um, and um, I, and so Manchester City. Now this is now this is a test, and they don't have to win it because it's very hard to beat Manchester City. Not many teams do it, but you know. Let's see how close the match is, and let's see how, you know, the the, the Harry Maguire revival and. Uh You know, let's see it tested by Haaland and Alvarez and Phil Foden and whoever else decides to appear from nowhere when you least expect it, you know, as usually happens.
1: That will definitely be the test for Manchester United this weekend. Manchester City, of course, beating Young Boys 3 1 in another fairly comprehensive and comfortable win for Pep Guardiola in the Champions League. But from one United to another, Newcastle, a bit of a reality check, should we say, uh, losing 1 0 at home to Dortmund. Now, listeners, I can't tell whether you can. uh, pick on up on this, but Gregor's slight chippiness is because he's not had enough coffee after a late night in Birmingham, which we'll come to in the second part of the show. But another man who had a late night was Martin and the shot M one. Oh, don't start on <laughs> M1 again. the other the other thrilling insight you missed, listeners, was before we hit record, these chaps just ranting about the roadworks in the in the UK motorway system. Late. But anyway, yeah. we'll say we'll save that for the outtake show at the end of the season. Uh, Martin, you had another late journey back from Newcastle yeah. as well because you were there at St James's Park. Yes. Am I right in my assessment of reality check, or was this a case of a Dortmund side showing them a bit more respect because of their performance?
4: Yeah, it was a reality check, because I actually forgot it rains from the roof at the (laughs) Newcastle Day. That was a reality check, certainly for my suit. Um, No, it's a reality check. It is isn't. it isn't, in as much as I thought they were so impressive against PSG, and you can't forget that. You can't just have one match, one defeat, that erases what they've done so far and on the direction they're going Borussia Dortmund are a good team they're a very good team, I was quite surprised by Borussia mm. Dortmund because you look at their results in the, in the tournament so far and they haven't been setting the world alight and then last night they were very very well organised, they defended magnificently in the second half when they needed to what I would say with Newcastle um, is that I'm not sure how, you know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, English players in the team. There's you know there's it's not a team that's full of guys that have played ten seasons mm. in the Champions League. And what it looked like tonight, they last night, they they looked a strangely a little leggy, and you couldn't quite work out why. And all I can think is that there's a, a lot of players there that aren't used to playing. Two matches a week of that intensity, because um, there's a world of difference between playing two games a week. If if the game in the middle of the week is the Carabao Cup, and you're playing Newport County, mm. or even if you're playing a Premier League team, half the players arrested, half of their players arrested. It's not the same. They've gone from playing Crystal Palace, who are, who are difficult. They are a cussed team, and they played really well and put four past them. And then you're straight into Borussia Dortmund. You've got a lot of European experience and have got a a great youth set up and and are lively and organised and smart. And it looked as if that told. Plus they lost a couple of players to injury, which made a which mm. made a big difference. And then you began to see little things that you know, Callum Wilson came on for Isaac and Callan Wilson's an outstanding club player, but the Champions League is this huge step up—it it really is a huge step up—and um, he nearly scored. But it was never a game where you really thought Newcastle were going to come flying back. You know, was your know, Dortmund scored just before half time? It wasn't a game where you thought, "Oh, this is going to end up three-one to Newcastle." From the minute that goal went in, you knew they had problems. You knew that you knew you knew they had a job on their hands, and. So, <laughs> there's a reason it took Manchester City, with all their money and all their wealth and all of the great players, there's a reason it took Manchester City a, a long time to win that tournament. And I'm not saying mm. it's beyond Newcastle, uh, and I'm not saying it's beyond them in a short space of time, but last night was the reality of two games mm. in four days against teams that
3: you've really got to be on it. Johnny? Yeah, I think you've got to play differently in Europe and as Martin said, Man City went through a, a process um, and I think one of the issues that Premier League teams have got and this would go back to watching Ferguson and Wenger's teams actually struggle in the Champions League for uh, in initially is that sort of toe-to-toe style of football um, doesn't necessarily work in Europe because teams will pick you off. So, remember that Guardiola City, um, the game I always think about is that crazy quarter final semi v monaco oh, oh yeah, yeah. i mean just it was just yeah. a free throw wasn't it and they went out by the odd goal in 9 or something like that um and it looked to me and I, from 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 watching the game on tv that that newcastle sort of went toe to toe with dortmund and came at them but left plenty of space for dortmund to come yeah. back at them and the the goal was exactly that it was anthony Gordon trying to Go off on a on a solo mission and and being dispossessed and and being counted. And, to and as soon as that pass comes in from that goal,
4: yeah, you you just looked at it as the guy squared the pass. I'm I'm sitting in yeah. our goal, yeah, because you yeah. you just knew and it was a cracking out. finish or whatever. Yeah. But they were so open at that particular point as the guy made the the square pass, you looked at it and thought, oh, they're absolutely wide open here, and and and, and sure enough, that that was it, and and. Um, I, I, I totally... Look, I wrote after the PSG game they're better set up to win the Champions League sooner than PSG. I still I, I stand by that 100% because I think they're building a, a, a team and a club in a very, very sensible way and I think there's some very smart people at Newcastle United and that they will get it right and they'll get it right quite quickly as well. However... <laughs> there will be there will be nights like that. Mm. There will be nights like that where they look
1: like the new boys.
2: And a little bit yeah. stretched now. Well, yeah. that was, that
1: was yeah. my the next injuries, point. Yeah, Not just injuries, yeah. but of course, we have to mention Sandro Tonali, mm. set mm. to be banned from football for 10 months. Mm. Big superstar summer signing. P- played incredibly well so far, but that's a huge, huge blow, isn't it, mm. Gregor? And so uh, some of those limitations that Martin and Johnny have outlined are going to be laid bare even more, aren't they?
2: Yeah, and and Harvey Barnes is already out for... A few yeah. months with an mm. injury, so that's, that was a two big signings really of the summer. This is back mm. to last season's team. Yeah. Um, as you say, lost. I think Isaac and Murphy last night. Yeah, Botman. So yeah, these are these have been important players for, for Newcastle, and you know, we're promising to be important players this season as well. The new the new signings. So we, we, this was always the problem. This was always the problem. We you know we looked at we, even a few weeks ago. We were saying actually they look mm. pretty well stocked, but. Mm. When you lose key players, it's still going to be a bit of a step back, step down in, in quality for them. And when they were fighting on several fronts, this was this was always the risk. Um, I would also just add that I think if you looked at this group and you got to the midway point and you said you have got to win, a loss, and a draw, yeah, they would they would your hand off. So mm. they're still well on well on the show.
4: You know, they oh, were yeah. they were talking last night. Everyone said, like, "Oh, we've got to go to Dortmund and beat Dortmund or what?" Not necessarily. You haven't got to beat Dortmund. Mm. You, you know, if you can, can get a point out of Dortmund, if you could get a point at PSG, mm. they were at home to AC Milan yeah, yeah. Um, in the last game. AC Milan got a, a mm. poor result against PSG last night. And when that group was drawn, yeah. was the points we were making earlier about the Manchester United group, when mm. that group was drawn, you looked at that and thought. Tough. That, mm. It was the sort of group that Man City used to get when yeah. they were they, when they were first in the tournament. When you've got no coefficient and you're in pot four or whatever, that's this is what happens. This is what can happen to you,
1: Johnny. Just on Tonali, do you think Martins talked about a well-run club and a well-organized club? Will they react to that in the January transfer window?
3: I'm I'm sure they'll try to, but they are sort of balancing things with with FFP at the moment, mm. and and I think that will sort of continue to restrict them but I've, I've, i mean look, their recruitment has been excellent so far <clears throat> they've got dan ashworth and and a, and a team of scouts that he's appointed to do a lot of work i know with with um with with, with data and and they've got a very good network i'm sure they'll have plenty of options and it will just be the financial thing um i feel for Tonali though um I feel for newcastle a bit as well I was just looking forward to to watching a season of that guy uh and and we'll have to wait Absolutely, we'll
1: have to wait. We've mentioned Manchester City and their win in the Manchester United section, just to finish off the uh, Champions League review. Arsenal beating Seville 2-1. I've only really got one question on this and it's around Gabriel Jesus. Um, His stats in the Champions League are incredible (laughs) when he starts. When he starts games in the Champions League, 17 games, 14 goals and 4 assists. He's a player that I love watching. He's a player that I have arguments with my Arsenal-supporting friends. He's that a player they...
4: that's got most of that playing for Manchester City.
1: Yeah, it, all right, so we know which side of the fence you're going no, to be I mean, on when I pose well, this on question.
4: any side of the fence whatsoever, I do think there's a little asterisk that said a lot of this was achieved with Manchester City, who are mm. by far and away the best team in the strongest league in Europe.
1: That's a good point. But what I was going to say was that a lot of my Arsenal sporting friends are still to be convinced, and still were very excited when they heard Tom Roddy on Monday's show talking about the potential of them signing Ivan Tony. Still feeling they need a striker. I was just had a question just on Jesus and what type of a player he is, and what mm. we think of him. Is he is he eight out of ten? Is he eight and a half? It, it, <laughs> is he one of the best forward? Is he a forward? Is he a striker? Johnny, you're squeaming in your chair, so I'm going to ask you. Obviously,
3: <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm, because um, I, th- I thought you were going to ask, what is he in terms of his position? No, no, I just mean, ten. like,
1: what do you think of him as a player overall? Do you do you think he's that leading man for Arsenal?
3: I I, su- I suspect he benefits from a number nine coming in, and then he could do his work off the sides. Uh, I suspect he's one of them. I love him as a player, um, but there's a reason, I suppose, why he left Man City, which was. You know, Haaland coming in and him, him not being the out and out number nine, and Guardiola wanting something different off the sides. But I mean, just yeah, look, up. He's, he is. I was kind of half smiling because I just, I just love, I love watching the guy play. I think he brings a a joy. His feet are brilliant. Um, still not entirely sure what, how, where I'd play him on the pitch. But mm. I think, I think a reference point and, and him being able to work round him would, would probably suit him
2: better. I think there's very few players in the Premier League who use. Use the body as well as Gabriel Jesus. The amount of times you see him backing in to a defender and like wriggling and wrestling and squirming, you know, mm. just like twisting them up and then scampering away. He's got. I always use. I always use the word menace for them. It's like. There's. It's like he's playing street football mm, a lot yeah. of the time when he's at his best. But is he the leading leading guy for Arsenal? That's always the one reason I've questioned that has been his fitness record, which again has cropped up in this game, and the other is. Well, he scored goals, and he, you know, his record is good. There's also some of the stats about his kind of underperformance of his xG and stuff have been pretty like alarming. Sometimes he does miss some pretty big opportunities at times too. Mm. So I don't think I think there's consistency and there's fitness, and I think Arsenal would benefit from having another another sort of focal point in their team, a different sort of player, someone who. Not, you know, you're not going to sign a Halland, but someone who's, who's, who occupi- occupies defenders stays mm. high up the pitch because he is great at dropping deep and linking up.
1: Martin, you picked up on my lies, damn lies and statistics, but Jesus as a player in in light of what the guys have said.
4: I, I, I think he's a lovely footballer. I don't think <laughs> he... He is a lovely footballer. I just don't think it's he's a real ne- damning with him <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I, I, I just don't think he is necessarily the prolific goal score you 've got to, sometimes you 've got to match light with light because the reason that Cristiano Ronaldo was so impactful for Manchester United uh, and the reason he was a game changing player for Manchester United is they had nobody that could keep up with Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard was scoring twenty goals plus for midfield, and he, if he had continued scoring twenty goals plus for midfield, which he pretty much did and manchester united couldn't find that player chelsea win the league chelsea just keep winning the league winning because the they can't get they can't get in front of them and then what happens is is they get a midfield player as as he was before he he converted later in his career but they get a midfield player who not only scores 20 goals from midfield he scores 42 goals from midfield or or, or whatever the number was and that blows frank lampard out of the water and suddenly manchester united are the best team in the country again so Manchester City have got Erling Haaland. Liverpool have got Mo Salah. They are scoring goals at a level. That's what Arsenal need to match. Because mm. otherwise, they don't, they don't it's have gonna, that in, in their team at all. Exactly. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard, when it matters, to get in front of them, which is what happened in the end last season. It, when it really mattered, it, in the end, Manchester City chipped away at it. And one of the reasons they chipped away at it is they had this, this phenomenon... Playing, uh, you know, and, and Arsenal aren't going to get Erling Haaland or are going to get an equivalent to Erling Haaland, but they've got to get nearer in, to Erling in, Haaland in,
2: fairness, in sheer numbers. In fairness, they have had, well, last season, had Zach and Martinelli, I think, think probably reached double figures and goals and assists mm. each mm. Yeah. Trossard came in and, and chipped in a d- yeah. big number so they did manage to spread the goals around yeah. they have y- a lot y- of
1: players who do y- those things across the board don't they but I guess what Martin's saying is in game-changing moments if you've got Absolutely. one player if
2: you've got Absolutely. one I mean
4: the, the other look Harland isn't having by his standards certainly by last season he isn't having his, his best season but nonetheless two goals last night and you know and That group's Mm. as good as over. Basically, they've got young boys at home in their next match, and you know you'd have your house on that. And and then it's twelve points from four Mm. games, and people don't don't get knocked out of the Champions League with that. And it's just that, as you say, it's it's those moments, it's those match-defining moments. That's that's what makes the difference. Mm. Frank Lampard defined matches for Chelsea, defined matches for Chelsea, and that's why they that's why they were so strong, so
1: good. Johnny on Monday's show, Tom Roddy discussed the idea of Ivan Tony going to Arsenal. Mm. Do you think that would be a good fit in light of what we've just discussed? Oh, I think, think it would be terrific. Yeah, mm. he
3: would. He would. He would not just be that reference point and and um, just change change the way they can they can play. Just mm. give them a, a new dimension. He's got. He's just got such personality, Ivan Tony. And and if you're also looking for someone culturally to shift the club up in terms of the fight uh, that they they face trying mm. to overhaul Man City, you know somebody that. I think we'd have the self-belief um, to think they could do it. I think Ivan Tony would would fit that bill. Um, and, a great saying, well. yeah. and a
4: point to prove as well. And a point to prove, because he Pretty seems much. like sort of quite an angry fellow. I don't know who's thought it's meant to be, mm-hmm. but um, he seems like quite an angry man at the moment that he's out of football. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's... there's nothing wrong with a fellow who thinks he's got a point to prove to the entire world
1: absolutely fascinating discussion from this week's Champions League you can read more of the uh, best analysis from these guys and from the rest of the Times writers on the Times website now make sure you're subscribed by going to thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game for the latest digital offer stick with us we're discussing Wayne Rooney next
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Welcome back to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. I'm Tom Clark, and I'm joined by Martin Samuel, Jonathan Northcroft, and Gregor Robertson. And Gregor, I alluded to it in part one. A little bit grumpy, a little bit tired because you spent the night in Birmingham uh, and you've written a piece for the Times website which is headlined Changing too much, too soon gives Wayne Rooney a nightmare start Birmingham's new manager has asked the players to be brave on the ball but after losing the first two games in charge concedes they are not comfortable doing that Rooney taking over at Birmingham um, you were there last night you were in the city before the game as well what's the mood like in Birmingham beforehand and then also of course tell us about that mood after full time
2: yeah, beforehand, you, you struggle to find people who are uh, enthused about Wayne Rooney's appointment, to be brutally honest. And there are many reasons for that, you know. One is, and the, the biggest one, is that they feel that John Eustace, who he replaced, was was sacked very harshly, team were sixth, after 12 games. Eustace is a kind of local boy. Uh, I think he played for the academy when he was younger, before moving, to, moving on and starting his career at Coventry. Uh, and he sort of bridged the... The takeover by the by the new American uh, owners, which happened in the sum- summer, so he dealt with a lot of the crap from the previous uh, regime, and there was a lot of that, and dealt with it very admirably. Kept them out of a relegation battle, and it started the season really well. They were you kind know, of disciplined, compact, um, as you know had them up in and around the playoffs. A lot early days, so. Rooney acknowledged that again last night. Afterwards, he said, "You know, because the reaction at full time was pretty remarkable. Actually, this was his home debut. You know, his home debut, home bow as manager. Um, And he he was the he was it was a very muted sort of welcome onto the pitch before before the game. Um, They were booed off at half time, and they were booed very loudly off at full time." Uh, and there were some sort of pointed words from the crowd as well, which i uh lived lead to in my piece um you know it's it's been two weeks, two games, and you know how has it come to this already it's so part uh, part of it as i say is is to do with the money replaced um and part of it is just the sort of the the nagging feeling that the new owners who have already got a lot of, lot of credit in the bank for their investment in the stadium, which was basically you know decaying before the before their eyes, there's still a huge swathe of unused, uh, or oh, sorry, seatless uh, concrete. Because I think there was I think there was asbestos that they've had to <laughs> repair, so it's been shut for ages. So they're investing a lot of money in the gro- in the ground. They're, they've got pl- big big plans. This 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 uh, this ownership group, obviously brought on on board Tom Brady, the the NFL legend. Uh, Brady visited in, in in August and was kind of you know made an appearance in local pubs and stuff uh and i think you know the they they could accept a sprinkling of of celebrity stardust if it's kind of it, it sort of underlines the ambition and the stature and what the what they ho- hope to be but it's kind of a sideshow but when you when there's a feeling <coughs> that they're doing the same thing with the man in the dugout there's a bit more unease because you know we could talk about Wayne Rooney's uh, prior experience as a as a head coach and I'm sure we will. Uh, I, I personally think he did a really, really admirable job at Derby County in the circumstances. His his time in the MLS was was he inherited a club at uh, DC United that were at the kind of lowest ebb. Think didn't, didn't manage to make them into a sort of extend uh, take them into an extended playoff uh playoffs at the end of the season. Um and I, I you know, MLS observers have said that the same thing we're seeing now about is sort of this this desire to to overhaul the playing style. Um, the same thing happened in uh, DC United, and he very quickly realised the team weren't capable of doing it. And as I say, I said in the piece, he's already making noises that he's he had a sort of dressing room inque- inquest last night. He didn't come out till half ten to speak to us, which is another reason why I was home so late. Cheers, Wayne. <laughs> uh, and he said. He was very. He asked the players to be honest Are you, you're not comfortable doing this because you don't look it and they said no we're not comfortable so he was brought in, the other thing to quickly point out is he's not been helped by the rhetoric that accompanied his appointment which was about this no fear style of football that he was brought in to, to implement which kind of rather undermined the, the work done by Eustace which also stoked the ire of the fans and also gives you know, heaps the pressure onto Rooney, and Rooney was happy to to take that pressure, and he's, as as I say, he's 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 backed it up. He said, "I want, you I mean, oh, know, this is the way I want to play." And he wants to have, you know, the the formation almost becomes a two-three-five when they've got the ball, but the two centre halves look completely out of their depth in possession, and then when they lose the ball and the, the fullbacks are high up the pitch, they're completely exposed out of possession. John Ruddy was thirty-seven uh, a couple of days ago. Same. Same. Shares a birthday with Ray and Rooney. I noticed as well. <laughs> he has suddenly been asked <laughs> at this age to turn into David Raya, and David Raya struggling to be David Raya. So mm-hmm. that that's why the too much too soon thing. Rooney Rooney was admitted last night. He's he's got to ask himself that question. Have I tried to do too much too soon? And I think the answer is yes.
1: Lots of points to pick up on there, Johnny Rooney's Someone that you know well, that you've worked with on columns yeah. for the Times and Sunday Times, of course. What what do you make of some of the points Gregor made there, both about Rooney taking this job and the the task that he's got and some of the kind of noise around it that he's mm. had to put up with?
3: Yeah, I'm fascinated listening to Gregor because I've, I've been following it from afar because I haven't been to the games yet. Um, but a lot of what Gregor's just said kind of had me nodding my head because it, it, it tells with what I, I know of Wayne. I mean, to take it in, in order, I suppose, um, the reaction... Won't bother him. I mean, he he he's not he's not known for bowing to pressure, and 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 has had a career where he's 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 faced worse than a couple of fans booing him at the end of a game. But he'll also respect the fans' um, opinion because he, I think, Wayne's roots are in Everton and probably a similar fan base to to Birmingham in many ways. He'll know where the fans are coming from, so I don't think he'll be knocked too much by what's happened. I think he'll be quite realistic. He does have very, um, perhaps almost surprisingly, kind of Guardiola esque ideas about how to play football. They're less influenced by Sir Alex Ferguson, more by, I mean, he said his, his, his fit is he said the best coach he had tactically at United was was Louis van Gaal. So he's, and I don't think that's a that's not a, that's not a slight to Fergie, but the football he wants to play, he aspires to, is more of the the Guardiola van Gaal positional um and an expansive nature. Um his child, and he's been brought in to do that. It's not his it's not his fault that, that he was brought in to do that. But of course he he does face issues like John Eustace was rightly very popular and um and was unfairly treated. Um he he deserved to keep his job. You know, Wayne didn't sack him the, the, the club did. Um, he also faces a championship which is getting better and better all the time and I don't think there's as much margin for error as as, as before um, it would have been painful losing to Liam Rossini they're good mates because it was his number two at Derby and that would have stung a little bit but, but he, he, he's kind of trying to do this mid-season probably with a squad that's not really um, equipped for it yet, I noticed he brought on Ramel Donovan who's 16 um, and That might signal that he 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 might try and shift towards youth, Um, which he did quite a lot at Derby, of course, which he did slightly enforced, and and he did it at DC. I mean, he he had a fifteen-year-old playing at one point. Um, But the issue the the the, the issue is going to be as it is for all managers, it's time, and this is only two games into his reign, and they haven't gone very well. But he has tried. To do the things that he's been brought in to do, he's, he's, he's so far trying to fulfil the brief. Now, what has said about DC is completely correct. They, they they did after trying to open out, develop a more kind of pragmatic style of play, and then tried opening out again, and they they only missed the playoffs by it was, it was more or less goal difference. So they, it was they weren't a million miles away. Derby was never able to do that. I just say, come on! We surely we live in a world where someone like Wayne Rooney and, and or any manager, but you know, particularly a, a young English coach who's who, who's who's trying his very best to, to learn, who, who's trying to stretch himself by a move abroad, who's already shown he can he can he can lead in in a club like Derby. Surely, he gets more than two games before um, before he's being. He's, I'm not saying Greg is writing him off, but I'm just saying, I can see the narrative already. Mm. And, um, and, and, and Wayne will accept the booze, but the kind of already the dancing and delight in some quarters I think already at Wayne having two bad games is ridiculous and give him a bit of time
1: How much Martin do you think that narrative and you mentioned two, two former England stars earlier in Frank Lampard and Stephen Gerrard do we wonder whether maybe that that kind of generation of players who've all had little chances in management at different levels More than um, little, some very big chances but obviously are, you know I'm referring a bit more to Rooney, but yeah, you're quite right. Some very big chances. Do you think that some of that narrative that Johnny is talking about is football fans kind of having a ha-ha, you deserve it type thing because you you got lucky by getting all these chances because you're famous England players?
4: Undoubtedly. Uh, And, of course, that is also linked to the fact that John Eustace, uh, who was not touched by Stardust... Was doing a, a really good job. There is a world of difference between Wayne Rooney going into a Birmingham team that is in the bottom four, mm. you know, on its backside, desperate for any sort of win or Philip or just sort of impetus, mm. and here is Wayne Rooney, Manchester United's top goal scorer, England's top goal scorer. And everyone would have been delighted. The, the, the mood yesterday would have been absolutely euphoric. Going into a Birmingham team that for the first time in living memory has actually won a few games and is in a, in a, in a position that they might do something. As you say, with a, with a, with a guy that is an ordinary Joe sort of manager. Um, and then he gets swept aside... And we bring in a member of the Golden Generation that that everyone you know talks of as the Golden Generation with a curled lip because you know <laughs> we kept getting knocked out of the quarterfinals by Portugal. Um, that is um, that is a that is a recipe for exactly this sort of exactly this. Not, I was going to say disaster, but, but but it's not a disaster. It's two matches, but it's a recipe for exactly this sort of opening where it doesn't go well, everyone's suddenly furious, everyone thinks you've only come in because, you know, you're famous and, and, you know, they're all in awe of you. And this guy never stood a chance and he, and he was one of us and he was our sort of guy and he was doing well. It, it's, this is it's a very predictable uh, way that it could go.
2: I, I, all- I'm, I'm still sorry, like, I kind of agree the recipe was there, but I think it was still really shocking you oh, hear oh, the level of no, I, I sort get of that. anger almost on his on his home, he's opening his home game. Furious
4: now, we <laughs> yeah, furious. no, hmm. we were all furious about a road that was closed four <laughs> years ago. You know, <laughs> well, um, please don't before start this that again. before this program started, <laughs> we were all, like still carrying that. You know, that M11 closure from like four or five years ago. Getting in at four o'clock <laughs> in the morning, everyone was, furious, but everyone is furious. Gary Mixon got booed into the job at Bolton. Can you remember? That was the start of it. That was the first mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. I ever noticed it. When Gary, Do you know, I was trying to think out. of
2: anyone that this has happened to before, and I Gary couldn't Nixon, think of anyone. That's a good, Gary that's Nixon a good reference. Got yeah, booed
4: the, they this they, is pretty they rare. Didn't, they didn't even wait for the match to be played. They just <laughs> booed him as he walked out. As he walked out, take his place on. I played the for
2: country. Gary Mixon, so I'm, I, can, I can I can empathise with that. <laughs> <laughs> but the all I would say with Birmingham,
4: and it's a name that copped up in the it, it, uh, you know when it, all the appointments were being made, and it's uh, it's a name Gary Cook. Gary Cook came from Manchester. City. Everyone's mm. oh, now everyone, everyone's furious for Gary. You know, Gary Cook was you know he's that joker at Man City tried to sign cackle and. Go- <laughs> if you speak to people at Manchester City about Gary Cook, no one who works there has a bad word to say mm. about him. They think he was absolutely fabulous. That he made. The modern club, and I'm not saying because he came in under Shinawatra and he said lovely things about he, Shinawatra, yeah. which yeah, exactly, which is perhaps was well, certainly very dubious, but you know, a man likes his boss. He's not going to be the first person to say nice things about the bloke <laughs> who's employing him. But anyway, but what when you talk to people about who built the modern Manchester City, Gary Cook is very very high up there because. He walked into a club um, and looked around on his first day and said to somebody, um, so uh, what's the, where's the HR department? And they said, um, yeah, well, there, there's like, there's Doris in accounts, <coughs> so if you've got a problem with your salary, uh, you go and see Doris and, 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 and she sorts it out for you. He said, no, I'm talking about the HR department now, I haven't got one of them, Hmm. and he turned it into a modern business. It's before Mansur, you know, and then Sheikh Mansur comes in, and then there's money, and then he makes his comments about Kaka, but he wasn't wrong about where Man City could be going. He was absolutely spot on about where Man City could be going. So, I don't, I think it would be wrong to presume that the people who've got Birmingham are mugs. Mm-hmm. and that the people right. they've got working for them are, are, are mugs. I think there, is, there will be an attempt to create a modern, forward-facing football club. I'm not saying they've gone about it the right way, because they had a good manager. And it might have been an idea to see what this guy could do first and say to Wayne Rooney, look, if this you know, we've got to give John Eustace a chance. If it doesn't go well, Wayne... You're a man. I, I, I don't understand why they felt the need to make that change so quickly because it was always going to heap a lot of pressure mm. on this appointment and <clears> this situation and this run of matches and, and uh, it always risked a, a very, very difficult narrative for, for Wayne uh, when he coming into this job. So that notwithstanding, I, I just think that they will be trying... To change the culture at Birmingham City, which let's be honest, has not been a culture that anyone would say, oh, that's how a football club should be run for what, 20 years? 20 yeah. odd years?
2: Well, certainly in the last decade under yeah. Trillion tro- Trophy Asia. Oh, Trillion Trophy. I yeah, mean, the world's, world's
4: most ironically named yeah. uh, conglomerate.
2: A really kind of, yeah, mysterious. Mob, <laughs> uh, yeah. who also like th- th- there are also echoes we should say which which also might add to the feeling of unease of when they arrived a few months later they sat Gary Rowett in December yeah, of 2016 yeah. and replaced him with the, the the very you know the much more recognisable Gianfranco Zola and they spiraled towards the the foot of the table and that was mm-hmm. really the start of. A decade of sort a lost decade really you know then then came Harry Redknapp with spent an absolute fortune and then you know very badly shackled them with a lot of debt and then the FFB troubles came so it's been you know a tough tough year for a eh, tough tough decade sorry for for Birmingham and uh, no one is saying that, that uh, the, the, the new owners are mugs in fact as I say they've done a lot of good things already and they they want to they've they're on record saying they want to turn Birmingham into a, a footballing powerhouse. Uh, they want to take them right to the top. So it just feels like they've they've tried to kind of run before they could walk. Mm. Maybe mm. on the footballing side here, or Just and a
4: problem that adjust a problem that they didn't have. The manager wasn't the problem. You could I, you could make a long list of problems at Birmingham City, but the guy that's got them to sixth in the league on a, on a next to nothing budget. He and wasn't the
2: problem. And even if you were gonna, you were gonna sack him and bring in Rooney, just like maybe tone it down a little bit about mm. making mm. it such a step change. Because it, as I say, it did sort of, you know, pour poor cold water and everything that had gone before. And it was also saying, you know, we will implement a culture and identity that everyone connected to every Birmingham team will uh, embrace and identify with. And it's like they're almost telling the fans what they're gonna think and and feel and believe Mm. and Mm. and what they want when what they really wanted was a bit of stability
1: Mm. johnny final word from you on rooney in light of some of those points that the guys have made you know he does seem to take on quite challenging jobs (laughs) doesn't he in lots of respects and you know we've got to admire him for that but you've also got to think (laughs) this is a young guy trying to make his way in the game and i've referred to you know the kind of narratives of oh you're just lucky you just get the jobs you know is is he not helping himself by maybe picking some of these more challenging scenarios if you like well
3: I, I mean i think the reality is that and maybe because of what's happened to Lampard and Gerrard that those those opportunities aren't as glitzy as they once mm-hmm. were I, I, I think the premier league's now in a phase where it'd be almost incredible if a premier league club out of the blue just appointed a, a big former player who didn't have any managerial experience but that used to happen in you know, in our very recent memories, so and Wayne's very aware he has to take on challenging jobs and graft, and he said to me before that what I did as a player doesn't count for anything because I was a big player doesn't mean a doesn't mean a thing. Um, he'll just work really hard, and he will have the personal resources to deal with the pressure. Um, and it, <laughs> it just sounds. Kind of bland to say it again, but it will just come down to how much time he's going to be given. I, I just hope he does get the does get the time, and and then you know we can we can all judge him because I think what you're alluding to, Tom is that we haven't he hasn't had a clear run at, at jobs so far where he yeah. could make a judgment about how good Who he wins. is, what a coach he no, is. you, you know all that. Kind Derby of stuff. was one whole firefight after another
2: it was about personality more than than a a capacity as a coach yeah
3: it was a personality job and and DC was you know a a basket case club at the start of the reign and he took them so far but didn't finish the job so um I think you started. will to withhold using the phrase basket case until you got to watch <laughs>
4: and not just going early yeah. it on, on Darby County. You know? Yeah, we're seeing this You know, he's picking
2: jobs. Special category basket <laughs> yeah. case. <that> one. This <laughs> is a it? good job. This is a good this opportunity. Actually, but it no, is. No, a no, no it's, it's
1: yeah, a very good, a good job. job. It's a much better job. Yeah. But I'm just saying that you and Martin have done a very good job of outlining why it's not. An ideal scenario well, for a young manager. It yeah, it's not, they've not, but it's not been helped. Surrounding circumstances yeah. have not yeah. been helped. So no. that was the only point the I was, was trying to The circumstances are what I,
4: makes it difficult, not the not the position yeah. itself, no. because going to a, a championship club with owners that are, are, are backing you and uh, are prepared to put money in, that's a dream scenario because. That wasn't Derby. No. You know, Derby as as, as John described it, one firefight after another. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of clubs in that division where you're going in there and and your bottom line is, can I can I keep this lot up? Can I stop us going skint? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at all the teams that occupy, say, the bottom six places at the moment, there's far more risk involved of, you know, not being able to save the team, not being able to keep them in the division than Wayne would expect to have at Birmingham Mm. City.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It will definitely be a storyline and a narrative Johnny (laughs) that we will return (laughs) to many times (laughs) this season. Um, I wanted to finish the show with the sad news at the passing of Bill Kenwright, the Everton chairman uh, who died on Tuesday, age 78. Uh, He had been on the board at Everton since 1989 and taking over as chairman in 2004. Obviously we've just talked um, about running of clubs, management of clubs and alluding to some ownership models and things. Martin, you wrote a tribute piece on the Times website mm. to uh, Bill Kenwright and talked about a slightly unique figure in modern football he became in the way that he was just a fan who just wanted to be part of his club yeah. and ended up at the very top of it. Yeah,
4: that's what that's what Billy hmm. really was. He was a fan. Um, and that, perhaps, sometimes... Maybe it's not the best thing to be a fan. Maybe you need some hard-nosed, you know, person to to run a football club. Bill was so emotionally engaged with Everton all the time. I mean, he was a theatrical guy as well, very easily moved to tears by you know anything really, just almost anything really. But um, I, I felt for Bill. I really did feel for Bill because he would have done anything. For it to be a, a different scenario at Everton, he would have done anything to find a, a buyer um, that was more solid than some of the people that have been circling around Everton. Not just lately, but previously they they had a they had a he went a long way down the road with this with this with the, a group from Asia that were going to buy them and and stuff. And then it's getting quite mm. close to it, and they say, "Well, we." You know, we need the, you need to put the, the money in just to, you know, the, the good faith, the, you know, to do the due diligence or whatever. And it wasn't turning up and it wasn't turning up. And they start looking at it and, and the guy that is meant to be behind it lives in a flat in Manchester <laughs> and they can't find any, you know. And, and it was he was plagued by this, by this sort of stuff all the time. And, and um, he really did want the best for the club. He always wanted the best for the club. And just a, a very nice guy you know which should be said as well just a very nice guy everyone likes him in football and everyone could see how hard he was trying for Everton and 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 being asked to stay away from from the club for security reasons um was heartbreaking for him I know that you know that was you know that was that was just terrible for him he all, he'd already got to the stage where he couldn't travel. To the club on public transport, mm. he had to go in his own car, that hurt him a lot as well, because he did generally like talking to the fans and you know even even when there were the beginnings of dissent you know the only time he ever phoned me up and said oh you, you you you've got that wrong was when i I described a i think a fan coming towards him at the end of the game and him shooting away rather than speaking mm. to him, and he said, "No you know you got that wrong. We talked on the stairs mm. or what you know we, it was out of my sight or whatever." Because he, he did genuinely want to talk to the fans about, you know, the future of the club and where it was and where it was going and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, a lovely guy and, 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 and a, a true fan. And I hope he's remembered as that. I hope when mm. it comes to um, Everton's next game and, and they do something for Billy, I hope that the majority of the fans appreciate him as an Evertonian.
1: Johnny, find yeah, away from you.
3: no, lovely word. I'd echo exactly that portrayal of, of Bill. He became a uh, a kind of lightning conductor for understandable anger of supporters, understandable in the sense it's a fan base that's been let down so mm. badly over the last 10 years by, by ownerships. And Bill got blamed for that, but Bill never had the money. You know, he, he and I think the, 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 the Bill that should be remembered is the guy that, without whom, I don't know what would have happened to Everton, between two thousand and one and 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 whatnot, mm-hmm. because he was, he 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 put his energies into saving that club uh, and and rebuilding that club. Gave, as Martin said, mm-hmm. you know, everything um time wise, emotionally to it. Um, I took a very personal touch to 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 running it. Um, you know, he, I mean, David Moyes and him had a very close relationship and. The appointment took place, I think, when when um, at Bill's house. You know, he, he ran it on that personal basis. David drove to the house in London and 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 did the deal there. And and they formed a really good partnership. Not not they didn't always agree because there was never quite enough money, but they did form a really good working relationship. I remember. Bill's tears when Wayne Rooney was being sold. Alex's telling Uh, of that story. The famous story about Bill's on the phone to his mum, you know, Mummy, they're trying to sell our boy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Stealing our boy. Yeah, Yeah, stealing our boy whilst crying.
4: Fergie's sitting opposite him thinking, this is not for real. (laughs) But that was him,
3: wasn't it? As you said, he he, he, he was from the world of theatre. And I think supporters complained in the end that he he wouldn't let go but I think he didn't let go because he having been the man that saved Everton he he still felt a need to, to be there because other people couldn't be trusted and I think perhaps he was right in that A remarkable man, remarkable career in football and
1: elsewhere in entertainment as well, Martin, as you referenced. Um, You can read Martin's tribute to Bill Kenwright on the Times website now and also a fascinating obituary as well uh, from our obits department. Martin Samuel, Johnny Northcroft, Gregor Robertson, thank you very much for joining me and thank you for listening. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed because we'll be back on Monday with all the best reaction from the weekend's action. Thanks for listening.